Good morning again. Today's scripture is from Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, and then 8 through 20. It can be found on page 6 of your bulletin. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what is disobedient, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're continuing in our series that is entitled One Another uh, because we're looking at different ways that the Bible tells us about how to be in community facing one another. We're trying to get back to the basics of the practical basics of relationships in Christian community. And so we've talked about meeting with one another, encouraging one another. Uh, empathizing with one another, rejoicing with each other, weeping with each other. And today we come across our next one another that we will be examining and studying together, and that is this, sing to one another. What does that mean? Let's take a look, but before we jump in, let's all pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, even as we hear the children in the entryway It's a reminder that we come to you as needy, desperate children ourselves. Uh, We might not be crying aloud. We might be, some of us. But we know that most of us have uh, heavy things on our hearts, one form or another. Uh, We're just stifling them inside. Uh, We need to be able to cry out to you, God. We need to be able to rejoice before you. We need to be able to come to you uh, uh, our Heavenly Father. And so we thank you uh, for the gospel that enables us to know you in that way and to approach you in that way. And so we do approach you now to hear from your word, to come to your throne of grace, to receive from your Holy Spirit, uh, to be given fresh life from our elder brother in the family, and his name is Jesus. It's his name that is above every name. It's his name that we cling to. It's his name that we're listening for now. And it's in his name that we pray. 
Amen. So what's your favorite song? I'm curious. What's your favorite song? And I wonder why you like it. Or have you ever been so moved by a song that you've actually shed tears? Maybe even recently. Have you ever watched a movie without the soundtrack? No music. It's not the same, is it? At all. That's the power of music. Do you realize that our human brains are actually hardwired to respond to music, even from the earliest of ages? For example, did you know that for babies still in their mother's wombs, when music is played, their heart rates actually elevate? Music moves us. Sometimes, literally, even without realizing it, we tap our feet along with the beat. We hum along, we dance. Have you ever found yourself whistling along just because someone else nearby was also whistling? See, that's the power of music. Music moves us. Music even heals us. You know that researchers have developed something called uh, melodic intonation therapy where they use music to massage damaged parts of the brain for stroke patients and Alzheimer's patients. It helps them. Music does. And have you ever noticed how certain songs can become associated with old memories? even from the very distant past. I remember in the eighth grade, during a soccer game, I knocked heads with a, a teammate, a pretty violent encounter, and I ended up with a big bump on my head. My friend ended up in the ER. When I finally got home, I turned on the radio and just sat there on my bed, still a little bewildered as to what happened, and I remember, still remember, how on that radio, Madonna's hit song, Cherish, was playing. Romeo and Juliet, they never felt this way, I bet. Yes, I know the whole song. (laughs) And I'll forever associate those lyrics with soccer head injuries. (laughs) Sorry, Madonna, I can't help it. That's just the power of music. Music is a powerful gift. We know this in different ways. We've experienced it in different ways. And so maybe it shouldn't surprise us that God actually uses us, or sorry, invites us to use music to express our faith in him, to nurture our faith in him, to worship our God. Psalm 96.2 says, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Psalm 104.3 says, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Psalm 147 verse 7 says, Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God. Singing is a normal and natural expression of faith. It's even required. 
commanded of us by God for our own good, for our growth, and for his glory. It's why the Bible actually includes an entire book, the book of Psalms, dedicated fully to teach us how to sing, to worship our God of salvation. Singing stirs our hearts. It builds up our faith. It honors God. And that's why verse 19 in our passage today tells us, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You may not know that the verbs sing and make music, both of them are plural in form. The Apostle Paul is talking to the whole church about a kind of singing that we do together, not just individually, but as a body. That's why we sing together on Sunday mornings. And immediately, there are a few lessons that we can draw just from this one verse, verse 19. First, that our singing together is first and foremost for the worship of God. Paul said, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Our singing is for God's praise. It's for his ears first and foremost. So the main question that we ask when we sing and after we sing as we think about our singing is not, did I like it? Which, if we're honest, is too often the main question that we ask. Did I like that song? Did I like that experience of singing? If we get this right, the first question, the most important question we ask is not, did I like it, but did God like it? Was he praised? Was he honored? Because we sing ultimately for an audience of one. Second, this verse tells us our singing should be emotional. Because that's simply one of the great gifts about music. This is at least part of what it means to sing and make music from your heart. Because music stirs our hearts with the truth of the gospel in a way that words alone cannot. God did not say, read my word, hear my word, and then just simply read it again. He said, yes, read it. Yes, hear it. Receive it taught. Receive it talked about. And then sing it. And hear it sung. As someone has said, emotionless singing is an oxymoron. Let the music stir your hearts, even as the gospel itself, through that music, stirs your hearts. Now, of course, authentic emotions look different person to person. What we mean by sing emotionally doesn't look the same for every single one of you. And that's okay. And so it's important for us not to judge people who might be less outwardly expressive in their worship. I want to make sure that's clear. But we also want you to be free to be emotionally expressive outwardly, to clap, to raise your voices, to raise your hands as you make music from your hearts. Which brings us to a third lesson from verse 19, and it's that our singing is spiritual. It's not only emotional, it's spiritual. Singing and making music from your heart to the Lord also means that what your heart sings 
is actually more important to God than what your mouth sings. Your inward faith and genuine devotion is what matters most to God. And you know why this is important to clarify? It's because some of you all don't like singing. And it's important not to burden your conscience by saying, look, if you don't love it, or if you ain't good at it, then you're not worshiping God rightly, which isn't true. This is an important word of comfort to non-musical people. Maybe you have a hard time singing in tune. You don't enjoy it. Listen, your singing can be melodious, spiritually beautiful to the ears of God if you sing with all your heart. This also means for those of you who are musically gifted, that our singing is never meant to be simply a performance geared towards the applause of other people. Sing from the heart and to the Lord. Because our singing first and foremost needs to be God word. Lifted up towards him. But there's another point that our passage makes about music and singing. And it's found in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, with songs from the Spirit. In other words, sing to one another. Colossians 3, verse 16 says something similar. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You see, in your singing, you are teaching one another about the promises of God's grace. In your singing, you are admonishing and warning each other about the sin that dwells within us and about the grace that covers us. You are singing the truths of the gospel into the hearts of the brothers and sisters right around you. In our singing together, we are encouraging one another. Exhorting one another, spurring one another on towards faith, even bearing one another's burdens as we sing words of hope and words of comfort and words of grace right into each other's hearts. You see, we need more than just words of the gospel. We need those words sung into our lives. And we need to do this singing not just alone, individually. We need to do it together, corporately, with and for one another. I felt our sister Anna Laura earlier modeled this really well, burying her heart before the community and reminding us how much we need each other to build up our faith even as we are singing 
songs of faith. So again, yes, we sing first and foremost to God. We also sing for one another. So here's the main point of today's sermon. The main question I want to raise before you. Do you know, do you know that how you sing and whether you sing here on Sunday mornings could be the key to another person's encounter with Jesus and their spiritual growth for that day? Let me say it one more time. Do you know that how you sing and whether you sing here on Sunday mornings, week after week, could be the key to another person's encounter with Jesus? Have you ever thought of it that way as the music begins to play? And before we start to talk about what this looks like practically, and I want to make sure to get there, Let's back up for just a second and see how this idea of singing to one another fits into the wider context of this paragraph and of this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote so many years ago to the church of Ephesus, which is in modern day Turkey. You'll notice that the theme of the fullness of the spirit is what Paul is talking about here in this paragraph where this idea of singing to one another first appears. Paul is talking about the ways in which we are called to be not drunk with wine, verse 18, but instead filled with God's Spirit. Paul describes four different effects on our relationships if we are filled with God's Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills your life, when God himself in the gospel becomes the dominant influence over who you are and how you behave. You will, number one, verse 19, speak to one another with songs. And then number two, you will sing to God, second half of verse 19. Thirdly, you will thank God, verse 20. And then you will submit to one another out of love and mutual deference. That's from verse 21, which isn't printed here for you. So this singing comes as a part of being filled with God's spirit. But even this idea of being filled with God's spirit is actually what Paul says is an outworking, an outflow of people that are committed to loving one another as part of God's family. So if you notice at the very top of this chapter in verse one, Paul says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so we can understand that Paul is saying, sing to one another as an act of love. Why? Because you're family members. You are children of a common father in Christ. And you're part of a family. Love as you have been loved. Follow God's example. Be imitators of God in the way that he loved you. You see, your singing and your considering of one another as you sing is one of the greatest gifts of love that you can supply to your brothers and sisters around you. But even this idea of loving is an overflow of all that Paul has said up to that point. 
For example, in chapter 4, Paul has said that the whole point of the gospel is to transform our lives. And so he calls us to almost like take off metaphorically the clothing of your old way of life and put on new clothing, new patterns of behavior, new attitudes, new minds, new loves that should be consistent with a newly transformed life. And so he says, put off the old, put on the new. Don't lie, tell the truth. He says, don't be sinfully angry. Watch your heart. He says, don't steal, but work. He says, don't waste your words. Speak words of grace. Put away all bitterness. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Love one another. All these Commands and invitations that are stacked up in chapter 4. And all of this is an overflow, a response to the promises of God's grace. The whole first part of the book of Ephesians is a reminder of the way in which God has loved us in Jesus. Those of all of us, those who have been dead in our sin, spiritually lifeless, apart from God. God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him. The opening words of the letter were told that God has blessed those who are in Christ with every conceivable spiritual blessing in Christ. We're told in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And in chapter 2, those well-known verses, it's by grace that you've been saved. This is not of yourself. This is a gift from God, so no one can boast. Don't you know that you've been given the gift, the gift of life, the gift of salvation, the gift of a new beginning, the gift of the forgiveness of sins, the gift of being adopted into God's family, the gift of brothers and sisters around you, the gift of love. And so, don't you want to love just like you've been loved? Chapter 5. And here's one way that you can love by the power of God's Spirit. Sing to one another. Lift each other up. Strengthen one another in your endeavors to grow in faith hope, and love. Help each other put on our new lives in Christ. Sing in a way that helps us to stop lying all the time. Sing so that we can train each other to speak truth because we're lovers of truth. Sing in a way that starts to dispel the power of anger and bitterness that can have a stronghold over our hearts. Sing in a way that reminds us that Christ has forgiven us so that we then can find the mystery and the power to forgive one another. Sing to one another in a way that makes the love of God tangible, palpable, even almost something you can feel in the room because people are lifting up the mysterious and wondrous love of Christ in the gospel. Sing and urge each other to believe the promises of God. Teach each other about the grace of God. Warn each other about the dangers of sin. Encourage each other to follow hard after God and Christ. Love each other into a more mature faith. Dear brothers and sisters, sing to one another. And so you sing in such a way as to turn to the people around you to sing to someone who next to you or near to you might just be struggling 
with deep uncertainty about whether or not they're going to make it that day, pay their bills, or be able to make it through whatever piercing struggle they might be going through right now. And you pick up the words that we just sang a few minutes ago and you say, Jehovah Jireh, you provide my every need. Oh Lord, you are faithful. And you sing it loud and you sing it clear to make sure that others around you and you yourself hear that promise. God will meet your needs. And you know that someone around you is struggling with pain and sorrow, maybe even heartbreak. Maybe you've noticed their tears and you lift up your voice, singing for yourself and singing for them around you, repeating the words we sang earlier. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. And you're singing as the person near you is arguing with God, perhaps. God, you ain't on my side. You don't feel like you're on my side. And you're singing, be still. The Lord is on your side. You ain't on my side. The Lord is on your side. And another person near you is struggling with some deep wrestlings with the guilt of sin. Maybe something that happened on the way in to church itself, maybe sometime over the weekend, maybe years ago. And every time you step into this room, your soul just gets burdened by a sense of not having been forgiven. And you need to believe. And that person next to you needs to believe that Jesus washes all your sins, past, present and future. And so you lift up your hearts as we did earlier. and You sing, what can wash away my sins Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Praise God for the blood of Jesus by which we receive the unchanging promise that all our sins are forgiven. Someone struggles with a cold heart, barely even wanting to be here. Feel distant from God and from other people. And so you lift up your hearts and you sing a song that we're going to sing in a second. My Jesus, I love thee. I love thee. I know you are mine. And they have no idea in that moment what it means to sing that with all their hearts, but they know you are singing with all your heart these words, oh, I love thee, my Lord Jesus. And they just borrow an ounce of faith from you. Someone else with a warmed heart can believe these words. Maybe I can Two, as God begins to melt their heart with your singing, with your believing. Dear friends, sing to one another. So, what does this look like? How do we do this? Can we get a little practical? A couple things. Five things, and then we're done. <laughs> quick. Five quick things, and then we're done. Number one. Sing thoughtfully. Sing thoughtfully. What I mean by that is, as the Colossians passage said, as we're singing, what we're doing is we're teaching one another, we're admonishing one another. What we're doing is we are encouraging, we're lifting each other up. The words, the lyrics, the truths that we are reciting to one another matters. 
It's not just the music itself. It's the promises of God. It's the character of God. It's the reality of who we are and who he is as we lift him up in worship and praise. That is what matters most in this. So we got to think sing thoughtfully, paying attention to the very words that we are singing so that we can sing them in the presence of one another and encourage each other and exhort each other. So the contents and the lyrics of our songs matter. Will you ponder them as you sing? Of course, for yourself. As you are lifting up your praise to God, ponder the words, but also for those around you. I'll say it in a second, so that as you're singing something and you're singing, be still my soul, the Lord is on thy side, then you can immediately start praying for somebody. Gosh, God, somebody needs this lyric here. Somebody in the room, maybe somebody right near me needs this lyric. I'm going to lift my voice and make sure they hear this. Be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side because you've thought about the truths that you are singing. This, of course, means that we need to be praying for our music leaders, those who are choosing the songs week after week. This is impactful decision-making. Praise God for our music leaders. Praise God for our music team, the way that they serve us week in and week out. And can I say this as well? Praise God for those who are clicking the buttons up here to help the lyrics move along with the song. It might seem like an easy job, it's harder than you think. A couple weeks ago, actually, I was up there for various reasons. I myself was helping to work the slides as Yancey was leading the service. Christine Back was up there next to me, and as she saw me deliberately clicking and working through the songs as the rest of you were singing, Christine, I don't know if you remember this, at one point she turned to me and she said, Duke, you're really good at this. And I don't know if she was humoring me, But it's harder than it looks. And look, if literally we did not see the words, we could not sing the words. We could not sing together. We could not sing truth into each other's hearts and lives. Praise God for these unsung heroes week after week who help us, who support us in our worship and our obedience to this Command, sing thoughtfully. Secondly, number two, told you we're moving quick. Secondly, sing presently. You know what that means? We got to be here (laughs) when we're singing. Now, gently come at the beginning of the worship service when we sing. We sing throughout the service, of course, but we start with a cluster of songs, three presently, sometimes four. And it's true that sometimes when we begin, we start off with a small handful of people and suddenly, like, like manna from heaven, you all multiply uh, by the time I get up here. Do you understand, if, you, if we're getting rightly the significance of this invitation to sing to one another, our singing might be, those couple minutes and those couple songs might be, when God uniquely meets and even changes the lives of someone around you. Now, that person might be you, and that's one reason to show up. But you might be instrumental in the life of a brother or sister around you by singing. And that's another motivation for you to show up, not just for yourself. I don't want to love someone, to serve someone, to come at the beginning of the service, that we can lift up our voices together 
and sing throughout our service these songs. Because singing is not only a vital part of your spiritual growth, but your presence is a vital part of your brother's and sister's spiritual growth. Come here and sing, not just for yourselves, but for others. Be present. Sing presently. Thirdly, this is an easy one. Sing loudly. Lift up your voices. I mean, really, it's easy in a corporate setting, and especially with a gifted band and singers, to become a little passive in your singing, to say, well, others are singing, I don't need to. No, we need to lift up a loud chorus that sounds like we believe what we're singing so that we can lift up a chorus of praise to God. Remember, that's job number one, singing for the ears and the heart of God. But secondly, to make sure that someone around you who might need a little bit of help believing God's promises today can feel lifted up by the strength of your singing. Goodness, if he can sing that way and believe that, maybe I can too. Or a sister who says, I can barely get any noise out of my mouth. Can I just listen to you and borrow your song? Because today I can't sing. Have you ever felt that way? I have. When you're like, I got no song in my heart today, but I'm just going to listen to you sing and you by God's spirit are going to give me life. Friends, lift up your voice and give each other the gift of life. Christ in the gospel through your singing. So sing loud, sing out, sing with a full heart. Number four, sing prayerfully. Sing prayerfully. If our ministry to one another in our singing is about speaking these words and singing these words into one another's hearts, well then pray that God would do just that. Pray as you sing. Seek each other's encouragement and comfort. Maybe you notice or you know of someone that's going through a hard time and you can say, God, this song, oh, I know this friend really needs to connect with this song and lift up their hearts and trust to you because I know what they're going through. Then you you pray for them in that moment. Or maybe you notice someone in tears or doubled over in the pews on your way in. Or maybe you don't know of anyone personally, but you know just by knowing how life is, there's somebody that needs that helping hand, not only yours, but the hand of God. And so you pray for them as you sing. And you pray for the singers as they sing, and you pray for the musicians, and you pray for the whole congregation. Keep praying for the music team, friends. You know, they're not just coming up here, as we said earlier, just to do a performance. They are leading us in our corporate singing as we sing to one another. And in light of what we're saying, you know one of the best ways that you can encourage members of the music team? It's not just by you saying to them, wow, that sounded really great. That is of some encouragement, and that's important to say too, because I know they work hard to put together good music for you. But one of the best ways that you can to encourage them and, and to, to support them is by saying to the singers, you know, your genuine worship really led me to worship. Hey, hey, you guys sounded great, but you know what was even more great is you believing that phrase, and I could see it on your face. You believing by faith in that phrase helped me to believe it. I walked in here not believing that God is good. I walk out of here today believing that God is good because you sang it with all your heart and God used you. Thank you. Encourage those team members in that way. Pray for them. Pray for one another. Sing prayerfully. Sing thoughtfully. Sing presently. Sing loudly. Sing prayerfully. And lastly, sing sacrificially. 
And that means if this singing is for the building up of those around you, if this is an act of love, then we need to remember not all this singing is all about me. It's for others too. And so that means it's okay if not every song is my favorite song or not every song connects with me in every perfect way or not every song style is my favorite style as we especially endeavor to be a cross-cultural community in the styles of music in which we draw from, trying our best to draw especially from different traditions in the black church coming up with this unique flavor that you might describe. I don't know, what would we describe it as? Gospel, jazz, pop? I don't know, some mix of things. But you see, if your goal is love, love for God and then love for other people, then we'll sing with an open hand, as it were. We won't simply say, well, gosh, I I didn't like that song. You'll sing and say, I know somebody else did. Somebody else really needed that song, not just those lyrics, but that particular delivery system of that cultural form of music that really spoke to somebody, and I'm glad for them. And in fact, now I'm praying for them. I'm going back to point number four. Praying for them because of your sacrificial disposition, even in our singing. Hey, I struggle with it too sometimes too. How do we sing in a way where we're putting the interests of others before our own? And we're not just thinking about, am I connecting with this? Is this my favorite song? Because the reality is, of course, if every song was just your favorite song, a reflection of your personal playlist, then the church would be filled only with people just like you. A hall of mirrors, or rather earbuds of mirrors. I don't know, how does that work? You know what I'm saying, right? Sing sacrificially, because our singing is love. Our singing is love. The beginning of the sermon, I wondered aloud what your favorite song might be. And I close by wondering aloud, what if we were to sing songs of faith and encouragement into each other's hearts in such a way that some church songs, the songs we sing on Sunday mornings, were to become your favorite songs? Not necessarily because you think they're the perfect tune, or because you feel like they're necessarily better than something written up by Marvin Gaye or Mumford and Sons or Kendrick Lamar, whoever your dude is. But rather, they become your favorite because one Sunday morning, God used that song to change your life. God used that song to pick you up off the floor. God used that song to set you free from the power of guilt over a sin that you'd been wrestling with for over 20 years, maybe. One Sunday morning, God used the voices of your brothers and sisters and the lyrics of that one song to strengthen you when you were out of strength, to help you believe in God's love when you were out of belief. And you know that was possible because somebody next to you began to believe that how you sing And whether you sing here on Sunday mornings can be the key to someone else's life-changing encounter with Jesus. Let's pray. So we ask that you would bless our singing and that you teach us to sing. It's a skill to learn. It's a disposition to grow in. 
lift these songs always up to you. We lift them up also to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it. Let's stand up. Let's sing.